Welcome to our brand new podcast, The Country Preacher with Chad Pendergraft. I am your host, Brooks Dethridge, and uh, we're going to start this first podcast off just a little bit different. Uh, I'm not really under any illusion that people know who we are, and so we're going to take just a little bit of time with introductions. And so, Pastor Chad, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Okay, Pastor Brooks, man. Hey, thanks for doing this. Uh, Really excited about it. Uh, Today, we are making history this is this is history i mean like i'm sure hundreds of years from now the lord tarries people will be talking about this day and we can say we were there and we still may be doing it we still may be doing it hundreds of years from now (laughs) hey um man what a what a treat to be here in uh our new little studio um with pastor brooks and getting to do this podcast excited about it and we'll talk about it here in just a little bit, but uh, we'll tell you a little bit about me and my story. Um, you know, came from a very small town in uh, southwest corner of Missouri called Exeter, uh, Missouri. And uh, actually, that was where we went to town. Uh, I came from a place called Thomas Holler, uh, about three miles west of there. And I grew up in church, been in church my whole life. And um, at age five, or no, excuse me, at age eight, I had uh, made a profession of faith in Christ and, you know, prayed the prayer that the preacher told me to pray and, and got baptized. And, you know, I've always told the story, you know, they gave me a red Bible whenever I was done, said, hey, good luck. And age 12, I'm at, you know, a, a church camp that summer and preacher was up preaching. It seemed like all the preachers back then were angry about something. They all yelled and screamed and you know, turned white around the mouth, and and he was preaching on hell that morning. And I've I've often said that he he not only had me convinced that I was going to hell, but I was going that afternoon, and right. so I was really scared. I've been in those services, yeah. And so, uh, man, I walked the aisle again and prayed the same prayer, you know, almost verbatim that I did at age eight. And um, you know, the scary thing was, was my home church when you got saved they would hand you at that time a microphone and basically say, tell them what you did. Mm -hmm. Well, for some people that may not be a big deal, but for me, the greatest phobia I I literally suffered from in life was public speaking. I couldn't think about doing that without getting, you know, just nearly nauseous. And I could talk one-on-one to anybody have always had that ability, but man, to just stand up and, 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 and speak in front of people, that was scary. So we made it through that, um, going through uh, school, uh, really just didn't have any effect on my life. My faith anyways didn't, and still went to church because that's what my parents, you know, we, we, I still come from the school of, you know, if mom and dad said you're doing it, that's what you're doing. You, right. know, you didn't have opinions. Right. Not that you got the, you know, voice or use. And, and so, uh, it was really at the age of 21, I'm now married. I've got a, a failing, uh, trucking business that's about to go under and, and got a little boy that just was born that, uh, my, my world was putting a pinch on me and things were not going exactly how I'd planned. And through all that, God used those circumstances to get my attention in age 21, April the 15th on tax day of all days. Uh, knelt down in my parents' living room, and I'm giving you the really condensed version of this, and prayed and asked Christ to become the Lord and Savior of my life. What's interesting about it is the words that I prayed were very similar to age 8 and age 12. What was radically different was there was this thing called repentance. And that night I I, I was doing more than just saying, hey, I want to I go to heaven when I die. But, but I, I really came to grips with the fact that I am a sinner 
completely unworthy of, of the salvation God is offering to me. And, and that was even part of what I'd struggled with before that I didn't think God would want me after as bad as I had been. And, uh, that night I repented and I turned my, my face towards God and said, God, if you'd use me, you use me in any way you want to. And I'm, I'm the, the answer is yes. I put my yes on the table that night and I've never looked back. I, um, you know, uh, grateful every single day of my life that the Lord saved me. And later that year in, in August, I surrendered to preach, which was a unbelievable thing because of the whole public speaking aspect. God's got a sense of humor. And I often wondered, you know, if he just didn't do that because I'd have a hard time staying awake in church. I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, here we are all these years later and still serving him and man beyond grateful to do so. And so this is your second pastorate at Crescent Valley. It is. How long were you at Split Log? Uh, just over eight years. Um, you know, in, interestingly, I didn't want to be a pastor. Uh, no desire whatsoever to be a pastor. I wanted to be an evangelist. And partly that was whenever I was younger, we I just had seen so many churches um, uh, really brutalize pastors. They would bring them in use them, abuse them. And, you know, it was like, you know, Hey, ask for another one. Yeah. Get the new model, yeah. send him back. And, and just watch so many of those guys go through that. And I was just bound to determine nobody's doing that to me. Right. And so I was doing everything I could do to keep from winding up in that spot. So I thought an evangelist was the right pick. I mm -hmm. love evangelism. Yeah. You love sharing the gospel, love preaching. And I can kind of be the, the guy that rides in on the horse, nice suit, you know, decent hair right. and preach and then leave town, let the preacher pick up the details, but God had other plans. And sure. so late of 1999, this little church called split log Baptist church called me and I just went over to fill in one Sunday is all I went to do. And, um, you know, lo and behold, that was God's plan to introduce us to pastoral ministry. We stayed there a little over eight years, never, ever thought we would leave. That was our, our heart's desires that we would never leave that place. We loved them. They loved us, um, but God had other plans and brought us here in uh, January of 08. Incredible, incredible. And you've been serving here for north of 12 years, right? Yeah, I mean, year so, 13. Awesome. Yeah, year 13. Who would have thought that I would have lasted that long? And matter of fact, if I make it for one more year, I will be the longest serving pastor in the history of this church at Crescent Valley since its uh, birth in 1946. That's incredible. And we're getting close to 75 years. We are. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we are. It's coming up quick. Yeah. Incredible. So a little bit about myself, my story. Um, I, we actually have very similar stories. Yeah, uh, a lot do. of aspects are. Crazy. So uh, I grew up in a small town, uh, grew up, actually, we went to town uh, mm -hmm. to go to Red Oak and uh, we lived about five miles away. The metropolis. The of metropolis. Red Oak. Yes, yeah. uh, Red Oak was the um, urban center, and then you had Boggy <laughs> and Cedar, which were the the uh, suburbs. Boggy. Um, That's the name of a place. Mm -hmm. is Boggy, Oklahoma. Yep, five miles north of Red Oak. Wow, I got to go so see that. You should see it. Yeah, yeah. they had a place called Crazy Gate. Uh, you got to see Crazy <laughs> Gate. So, anyway, we grew up going to church, and uh, mom and dad were faithful to take me to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Even did some Tuesday prayer breakfasts and uh, did some retreats and camp and all that jazz. And um, so tried to be a good person and was very religious and read the Bible, prayed. Uh, dad led family worship. So really um, great family. Something happened in between my junior and senior year of high school that really uh, rocked my world. My yeah. parents uh, separated and I thought it was going to be temporary and just kind of a 
hey, we need to take a take a breath and sure. and uh, you know cool off. Then maybe we'll come back. Ended up being permanent. And, so and that, that was your senior year. That was, yeah, the summer between my junior and senior year. Wow, that's hard. And so that was on July 4th. They wow. told me on July 4th, um, which is not a good time. <laughs> anyway, crazy. <laughs> there but, you go, America. So then, uh, as fate would have it, we go to church camp July 5th. That's the, the week that we would always wow. go. Wow, what a week. So go to church camp, and I was used to the whole church camp thing and really wanted to go to hook up with girls, mm-hmm. meet girls, and uh, also that year to get away from the situation. Sure. So sure. I just knew the first night that something was different. I yeah. walk into the tabernacle, walk into the service, and the uh, Spirit of God just got a hold of me and don't remember the music, don't remember who the preacher was, what he said, um, but just remember that God was all over me that night, and uh, I didn't sleep at all that night. And, I mean, you know me pretty well. Mm-hmm. I don't struggle to sleep. <laughs> so, um, But I couldn't sleep that night. And so next morning woke up and uh, had to go to baseball practice for a travel team that we were doing and um, just conv- heavy under conviction for sin and didn't know how I was going to get out of the situation I was in and didn't didn't really see a way out and, um, I think I was convicted of the brevity of life, the certainty of death, um, you know, yeah. the, the reality of sure. hell. And so I prayed probably the worst sinner's prayer that anybody's <laughs> ever prayed. Uh, we pulled over in the side of the road on my dad's truck and said, I said, God, I don't know if I'm saved. Um, but if I am, I've got a lot of sin in my life that mm-hmm. I need to get rid of. Sure. And if I'm not, then just asking that you save me. And, uh, Wow. I didn't know if that was going to take because I'd, <laughs> I'd prayed the sinner's prayer, you know, hundreds of times. Um, but obviously it has. I'm still yeah. walking with him. And yeah. uh, so I got saved in July and uh, called to ministry in uh, October. Wow. That's so, so cool. kind of the same time frame. Yeah, here. absolutely. And uh, so then after that, um, as uh, God's providence would have it, I um, got a scholarship to play baseball here at NSU in Tahlequah. And met Nick, Go uh, River Hawks. student pastor, Go mm-hmm. River Hawks, and uh, he had me serving in student ministry, which I was happy to do, and uh, loved hanging out uh, with the students and preaching on the side, and even preaching uh, for him some. And then figured that I would, after I finished college, got married, then I would um, go be a senior pastor somewhere, and that's just kind of what I thought would always happen. I didn't have a reason for it. Yeah, <laughs> so I, yeah. I always thought that would happen, and. Uh, was even in talks with a couple of churches um, about coming to be their senior pastor, a couple of interviews scheduled. And um, I honestly wanted to be at Crescent Valley and served in an intern capacity here and uh, loved it. I just figured that the church would have to grow by probably two or 300 people before you'd <laughs> hire another staff member. Uh, certainly didn't expect Nick to leave. Sure. And so um, he did, he did leave and took another uh, ministry assignment. And um, you asked me to come, and fill the pulpit on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And I told you, do you remember what I told you? <laughs> I don't. What did you say? So I said, I'd love to fill the pulpit, love to preach on Wednesday night, um, but don't consider me yeah, for now. this role. Um, <laughs> I remember I don't now. like students, Yeah, and uh, I don't want to do this. And so... <laughs> they um, are a lot. You know, they're they, a lot. They, they yeah. are a lot, yeah. But through that process, I think it took me about a month, and God totally transformed my heart and really solidified for me that I should be here. Uh-huh. And uh, so... Anyway, long story short, I've been here for four years and 
loving it. And I love students now. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they grow on you. They grow on yeah. you. So. It just takes time. That's awesome, man. What yeah. a great story. Yeah. You know, for the longest time, I, um, I really avoided sharing my story because whenever I was, and I don't hear this so much anymore, I guess, but whenever I was younger, it seemed like everybody that they would bring into our church or our youth group that would tell their story, all of them had, you know, done all kinds of drugs. You know, yeah. they were they were pimping out women, mm-hmm. you know, maybe have a couple of murders on their sheet. I mean, it was so dramatic. Yeah. And the star fell out of the sky, you know, like Paul on the road to Damascus. Mm-hmm. And they, great turnaround. And for me, it was just always, what's so dramatic about a, a boy that's been in church his whole life, you know, tried to get saved a couple of times. It didn't stick. And the third time it took, he's been baptized three times. And, you know, uh, what's the big deal about that? You know, what's interesting is is I, I've told that story thousands and thousands of times now over the years because it's my story. Right. And I've had so many people that I've connected with because it, it's a common story. It, it, it's, it's, it's commonplace with church kids that they take steps towards God, but they don't, they don't grasp what that means to repent. They don't grasp what it means to have a relationship and they certainly don't grasp lordship. And that was the big thing that was missing in my life. And so I, I tell it quite often now to the point that, you know, my kids can tell it probably better than I can and, sure. and others probably get sick of hearing it, but it's my story and that's yours. Mm-hmm. So I think we should tell it. Well, and I think the thing that I love about both of our stories is, you know, whenever you hear those crazy stories, those are stories that you'd love to read in a book, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but they don't really change your life any, nope. um, because that's not where I'm living. Like yeah, I've never, so true. never once struggled with black tar heroin. Yeah. Me neither. Um, me and I know there's people that legitimately struggle with that, but sure. that's never been my struggle. I didn't and even know that's what it was called was yeah. black tar heroin. <laughs> it may not be. Yeah. Some of that hair on hair on. Yeah. So, um, but our stories is where most of the people where we're ministering sure. are, are living or have lived. No and doubt. So I think that's why God has us where we are. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So, um, why the podcast? Uh, we both love Jesus. We both are serving local church. Why are we doing the podcast? That's a good question. And, and hopefully someday we can answer. No, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm always hesitant to um, hesitant in, in, in about how I would answer that question because one I don't want, want to come across with this mentality or even the perception to people that we just believe that the world needs to hear our voices. We're so incredible that unless they hear what we have to say, they're you know all going to hell in a handbasket. I, right. I'm not that way. You're not that way. And, but yet at the same time, I do know that I have a calling on my life mm-hmm. and, and you do as well. I know I have giftings in my life and, and I don't even like to really talk about them because I feel like I'm tooting my horn to say so. Sure. But at the same time, I want to, my desire is I want to help people. Uh, I have a, a major burden on my heart to help pastors. We do uh, a, a ministry to pastors here called Pastors Roundtables. Matter of fact, you and I just came out of that. Yep. Today, we had to do that by Zoom. Uh, normally, we gather them here every other month to love on them and, and, and you know, bless those guys. Um, and so my, my desire is, is that I, we could minister to pastors, get to talk about some stuff that maybe that, that they're wrestling with. But my desire also is just for everyday people that, that just living life, because we're going to talk about practical stuff, you know, and, and so hopefully this would maybe, you know, reach some of those just ordinary people. Cause I feel like that's what I am is just an ordinary guy. 
hence the idea of this, you know, being called the country preacher. It's, 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 we call it that simply because that's who I am. That's who I've always been. It's what I'll always be. It's just a, um, a country guy. I don't come with a, um, you know, bragging about my education or lack thereof. I come just as a guy from the country saying, Hey man, I've been touched, changed, uh, by the, the hand of God and I want other people to experience it. And so that's, um, you know, that's kind of why we're doing it just to maybe, to use the fisherman metaphor, put another hook in the water mm-hmm. um, to, to maybe be a blessing to somebody. may not be to everybody, but to some, I think it will. Well, and I think, you, I don't know about you, but the majority of podcasts I listen to are a little more academic in nature. <laughs> and This will not be that no, unless you bring it. No, and, yeah. and um, the funny thing is, I think what we'll do is we'll take a lot of the stuff that they're saying and condense it yeah, we'll, and we'll, say it we'll, in English. We'll bring it on down. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think, I think that it's important to take uh, stuff that's in the air and and bring it down yeah. uh, to where we're living. And yeah. I love the, like I said, I still listen to those podcasts. I love sure, those podcasts. I do as well. Um, but if you and I were to attempt to do that, it probably wouldn't get much of a probably much not. Of an it might go flat. It just and, and that's our our heart, both of us, is that we're just a couple of dudes talking about real life and how Jesus affects that, how the church affects that, and and just real life stuff. And and so that's kind of the 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 why of what we're doing. Absolutely. So what what would you say the podcast is about? Um. I've been asked that question a lot here in just recent week or so because we've been trying to come up with a name. You know, we went all over the place with names. Um, you know, some one of my preacher buddies suggested biscuits and gravy. I thought I that love was that a, name. That's a great name, isn't it? Which one of us is biscuit? Um, Which one of us is gravy? I, I don't know. I like them both. <laughs> I so do too. We're, we're, we're both you know desirable. Um, another one wanted to call it the Chad Madness Show, and I just texted him back and I said, "Well, I'm not mad." right now anymore and, and uh so but the 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 what's it about question i've been answering this way it's about life and and faith and leadership and um everything else that pertains to the life of a of a believer um there'll be moments where we're going to be very evangelistic in our efforts here with that because that's just who both of us are we we want to see lost people saved but that's not necessarily the target of the podcast the target of the podcast is to to talk to everyday believers and, and, and how their faith affects their daily life. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, you, you just kind of wrapping up the book of James, I'm kind of launching into that. And, you know, your series was titled a faith that works. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we want to talk about that. How, how can I be a, you know, a, a faithful evangelist as a plumber or a school teacher or whatever. And, and so the, 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 the platform that I stand on would be saying to you, you're not a plumber you're a Christian who happens to plumb. Right. Um, and, and, and that's my platform in which I spread and share my faith in Christ. Absolutely. And, and I'd say that for any other, you know, obviously, you know, uh, we always pick on professions. Plumbers. I don't know why I always <laughs> go straight to the plumbers. Uh, I got to get a new one. Um, so, so anyway, we'll come up with a new one next week. There you go. Well, man, I love the heart of the podcast and, um, obviously that's one of the reasons why I'm doing it. Sure. But um, I just love the heart of us trying to reach um, the people that we interact with most and the people that are in our area. But I think that this will also have an audience beyond, you know, northeastern Oklahoma, people that are just regu- regular, everyday people 
that are wanting to figure out. I'm assuming they're out there somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know somewhere. where. Maybe this will find them yeah. in their, their little nook that they're in. Maybe so. So, hey, let's talk about something that is very pressing, something that's going on, uh, as far as I know, worldwide. And at the time of this recording, um, we are in the midst of a global pandemic known as coronavirus or COVID-19. And so uh, just by way of introduction, obviously it's scary. Uh, it's real. It's not something to be taken lightly, and it's spreading rapidly. Um, but is there any way we can view the situation that we find ourselves in in a positive light? Gosh, what a great question. Um, yeah, I, I really think that we can. Um, it's interesting. Any, anytime you have something like this, the, the moment that you start trying to uh, talk about this in a positive way, just because of where our culture is at, immediately many kind of jump on you. Well, you're not taking it serious, you know, that you should take more precautions. And I'm like, all I'm doing is talking about it positively. Right. All like I'm, you don't care about yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, and so you, you have to be, I think at least wise, I don't know necessarily cautious, but wise about how you talk about it, where you talk about it and that kind of thing. But, you know, just talking with this group of pastors this morning, as well as last week with our church, I just, and maybe I'm being too idealistic here. I don't know. Um, I'm not normally that guy, but I just really believe that the Lord has given the church an unbelievable gift uh, through this. I think it's a horrible, horrible pandemic. I think it's serious. It's deadly. It's a killer. All of those things. And we're, we're taking some pretty extreme measures. I mean, just the fact that in the American church, you know, vast majority of them are closed. That's extreme. I, that's never happened in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe not in the last hundred years has that happened. Um, and, and and so I think we're doing extreme measures. But I, I you know, politicians have a, um, and I think it's funny that we'll talk about politicians with this, but they have a, a saying of, you know, never waste a uh, a trial or a tragedy or right. a cat- catastrophe, yeah. whatever the, the statement was. Well, I think in our faith, we should look at it in the same light. And um, that's why I'm encouraging our church, don't waste this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't order it. I get that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we didn't say, hey, God, could you send this over and kill a bunch of people? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's here. It's our, it's our situation. Yeah. And I'm inspired by that because of what I see in the life of Guys like the Apostle Paul in, in the, the, the letter to the, the church at Philippi, where he talks about in there that it, he says, it seems as though everything that's happened to me turns out for the furtherance of the gospel. Right. That's and a crazy statement. It's, it, it is. And, and, and especially when you know all that's happened to him. Mm-hmm. And he's writing that from jail. Um, you know, he's not in an ivory tower somewhere. He's just simply saying that every negative, bad, evil thing that's come my way more people get saved. And yeah. then now he gets talking about that. It seems that the whole Praetorian guard, uh, the, the, the gospel spread through them because they give me a new guard every day. And mm-hmm. that dude got saved. Hey, could you send a new one? And, you know, yeah. we'll convert them all. And, and I think that if the church can pause for a moment in in, the, in their despair and quit worrying about toilet paper mm-hmm. um, and quit worrying about, you know, whether or not we're going to get to play our sports. And we'll talk about that in just a moment because um, I, I love all that and I'm pro toilet paper. Yes. Okay. And let's focus on what's eternal. Then I think we'll all come to the same conclusion that anytime that there's a hardship on the world and we're all experiencing it at the same time, mm-hmm. 
it's a gift of the church because a church gets to show the difference that Jesus makes, that the Holy Ghost makes mm-hmm. inside of us uh, as we navigate through that. So, yeah, I think that we definitely can see it in positive light. I think, and you know, God has a unique way of taking um, things that are negative in nature or even neutral in nature and turning them for good. Most definitely. You know, definitely. the whole Genesis fifty twenty thing and yeah. uh, even Romans 8 where it says um, that um, – God is working all things together, together. for our yeah. good and for his glory. And so I think some some other things that are just practical is, you know, we've gotten more time with our wives and kiddos sure. um, than we have probably sure. in a long time. Uh, more time for spiritual disciplines, yep. Um, yep. more time to pray, more time to read the Bible, yeah. um, more time for family worship. Um, we have young kiddos in the home, and so family worship could look a little bit like a circus at some yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. And so Absolutely. Uh, it could also be rushed. And so... Uh, past couple weeks, it hasn't been near as rushed, and so yeah. that's been that's been really nice. Now, my sweet bride would remind me there to, to, to pause and say, "Now, not everybody's getting more time because she's she works at a pharmacy, so True. they're still full steam ahead." True, you know, and so she's coming home, you know, dragging tail, exhausted every day. But for the vast majority of people, yeah, that 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 time thing is an unbelievable gift. It is that God's given to uh, to families to. Um, to individuals that needed rest, you know, mm-hmm. we heard from a pastor today, I'll leave him nameless, yeah. uh, that just talked about, he feels guilty about some things, but there's, uh, there, there's one thing that he's, he's enjoyed is some rest. He needed rest. And so our culture has us running at such a pace that rest looks like sin. It does. It looks like laziness. Mm-hmm. It looks like you just don't care enough. And if you were more disciplined, then you'd be out here running, you know, your yourself ragged like the rest of us. And mm-hmm. and yet I find it to be a very biblical principle that rest should be a part of our daily lives. And I, I'm not good at it myself. I'm a fellow struggler. Um but yeah, I think it's I think it definitely is a gift that he's given us. Another, I think another positive is um, this crisis. I think one thing that's going to do, and we're going to talk about the future here in a minute, but mm-hmm. one, one thing I think it's going to do, uh, don't call me a false prophet if it doesn't happen, but um, I think it's going to take uh, take many of us off the fence of faith. And so yeah. I think there's a lot of people that are what we'd call nominal Christians no that are you know kind of fringe. And I think what this crisis is going to do is they're going to fall off on one side or the other. Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of parallels, and I'm going to have to give a disclaimer for what I'm about to say. There's a lot of parallels to what we're experiencing versus the church in persecution. Now, the moment I said that, there's people all over the world. We're not being they persecuted. Hear that, we're not being, I get yeah. that. We're not. This isn't even uh, at all persecution. This is just, you know, uh, it's a pandemic, period. However, my point being, though, is it, it, it's about trials. It's about difficulties. It's about trouble. It's about being in a spot we didn't want to be in, may not have caused, um, but but here we are. And how do we navigate through that? Um, and so I see some parallels there, though. Again, I'm not saying we're persecuted. Right. There, there's definitely parallels in that. And what that does when 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 in in a persecuted country. It's foolish to be a nominal Christian. Why would you? It doesn't benefit you. No. Why would you dabble in Christianity when you could get your head cut off for mm-hmm. it? It just makes no sense. And and I think you're right. I think that there's going to be a refining of the church um, in in the midst of this, without without a doubt. So, um, what can churches do uh, during this situation that we're in to redeem this situation? What what can we do to to help and to to um, try to be 
uh, have the attitude of God and, and turn it for good? Yeah, great question. I, I, I think that, honestly, we've only seen the tip of the the iceberg thus far in what all the church can do through this. Man, I, I you know, talking to these pastors this morning was just so encouraged uh, with what I hear some of them doing and trying and 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 I think one of the, the side benefits, nobody's really talking about this, but I think one of the side benefits of this whole thing is it's 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 so taking us out of what is normal that churches are experiencing and going to experience a freedom to do things outside of the traditional model that they've never experienced since their birth. That they've been scared to do. They've been scared to death mm-hmm. to do. Now they have to do. And I think that it's going to free them up in, in a lot of ways whenever they come back. Now, some of them will probably come back more. I mean, if we're just being honest, mm-hmm. come back more rigid than they ever were. But some of them will experience a brand new freedom that I think will be pretty awesome. But, you know, right now, it, it, everything is on the table. Right now, you know, uh, the the ideas that I've heard, some of them I've loved. Some of them I'm like, come on, man. What are you doing? But, you know, one of the common ones I'm hearing about is this drive-in church. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't have plans to do that. We don't really have the parking lot particular for that. Uh, but some churches, like my home church, I was talking to my pastor the other day, um, they're very pos- well positioned for that. I think that they're going to try it. And so they get these little FM. There's two different ways to do it. One of them is that they just get really loud speakers and people hear it, mm-hmm. but also the FM transmitter. And so basically it runs through your sound system. They turn their car radio on and it comes in there, which I think is a pretty cool, cool, innovative way to, you know, to get out and have church. Uh, so that's going on. Obviously the whole online thing and we're all working kinks out of that. And, you know, um, I talking with our guys today, there was a couple of things that I said that I assumed that everybody knew, but they were brand new to a couple of those mm-hmm. guys. And as well as guys talk to me about things that they assume that everybody knows, but they're brand new to me. Right. And so we're all kind of on this learning curve of how do you do church differently? And I think maybe one of the best parts of that is it's making us really examine everything we do as, you know, is, is do we have to do it that way? Mm-hmm. And I think that's healthy. Uh, not that we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I think it's healthy for us to have to wrestle through some of that stuff. You know, we talked about communion today right. and, the, you know, this the theology of behind that. And do, do we have to be gathered as a church to do that or can we do that scattered? And so I think there's a there's a, a, a ton of good conversations happening. But beyond that, in regards to ministry opportunities, I think that we just only started to see the really limitless uh, amount of those that will pop up from different ways you serve the body, serve the community, um, you know, which is the heart of our church is, you know, at Crescent Valley is we really want to serve the community. And quite honestly, so that we just have this on record, uh, I've stated from the very beginning of this whole thing, our decision to not have church service here, you know, collectively together was never based upon fear versus faith. And tragically, some have turned that decision for pastors into that, that if you had service, well, you're faithful. And mm-hmm. if you canceled services, you know, they're together in person, then you were fearful. And and they've thrown stones at each other, which, again, isn't new for the American church. Right. Right. But I think that's tragic that we would do that. For us, it was not at all about either one of them. For us, it fit our our vision um, for uh, the, the church of love, serve, and invite. That's mm-hmm. That's our vision. And if we're going to serve our community, that's really hard to do 
if we're bringing them here and getting them sick. Yeah, um, and so that was our way of saying we're going to be good neighbors. We, we've often said that our community should be a, a, a better place, a cleaner place, and a safer place mm-hmm. because the church exists. Exactly. And so for us, it was just a practical way. To, yeah, to live I've, that out. I've not seen this as a religious liberty issue at all. No. I think it's been a love thy neighbor issue from day one. Now, obviously, we talked about maybe some concerns going forward about, you know, maybe some government overreach. I don't think that's what's happening. I think it's more of a love thy neighbor. Let's let's flatten the curve issue. Yeah. I, I, and I, I, I'm and we're in a complete agreement. I don't think that's what's happening now. Here, here's here's the big picture. So let's kind of zoom out from this. The, 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 the challenge of this always is with government. Anytime the government takes away liberties of any kind, they, they rarely ever want to give them back. Yeah. So you kind of the old, you give an inch, they want to take a mile. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the heart and concern of a lot of pastors, as well as it is mine. And again, I'm not making accusations, but just thinking down the road, you know, how easy will it be for them to take this away? And so that's why we've tried to say up front, uh, publicly and privately, we're not doing this because our government told us to. A lot of people use Romans 13 as, well, that's why we're shutting down. Nope. You know, uh, that also is not why we have closed our doors. It, it, ours was strictly, it fit our vision. <clears throat> we are better neighbors, we believe, because of this. Was it because, because you know, the, the, the government gave us that mandate of no more than 10? I get that, and we're compliant, but our heart was well before that came. Mm-hmm. We want to be good neighbors. Yeah, and I think some other things that we can do uh, to redeem the situation is we can be calling our members. I know that you've done some yeah, of that. absolutely. Um, and I, I'm trying to think through it in um, under two words, and that is um, connection and content. So mm-hmm. we have an opportunity to, to create more content than we have, uh, which is kind of um, pro- proved by this podcast. That's what we're doing now. Um, but then also connections. Um, we, we have an opportunity. I, I'm trying to communicate with my students and my leaders um, every day or every other day. Um, so I'm trying to think through how can I increase connection, but then also how can I increase content? Absolutely. And so I think that those are things that we can be thinking through and, and upping the ante on. And uh, there's some stuff that we're doing um, looking forward to, to help with the healthcare workers, making a video for them, uh, possibly bringing some snacks to them, stuff like that. Uh, what are some things, you mentioned the drive-in church, what are some other things that you've seen churches do that are interesting, uh, creative, awesome? Well, I, I, I think the drive-in church is maybe one of the most, you know, innovative kind of uh, concepts out there. Um, you know, there there are a lot of churches that are using uh, Zoom for, you know, which is an incredible um, gift to all of us right now. Uh, it's a free online, uh, there's a paid version, but there's a free version where you can go on and, you know, basically have a, a face-to-face meeting through your computer or your smartphone or whatever, uh, which we've been using for the last two or three years around here. Um, but now it's, you know, pretty widespread thing uh, to do that. So there's a lot of churches that are dabbling in that, in, in whether that's with small groups or leadership opportunities. Some of them, a real issue that they're re- running into is is how to make decisions. Their decision Thankfully, us, you know, we've been blessed. We, we Our decision-making process is pretty streamlined. Mm-hmm. We're a pastor and staff-led church. We've right. got some committees and that kind of thing. But our, our decision-making process is pretty streamlined. There's a lot of churches that 
there's hardly any decisions made outside of a church-wide vote. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things like Zoom are a pretty good gift to them. They can all get on there. They can vote, make those decisions. Um, and maybe that'll even push them to say, hey, we ought to think about our Yeah, they can even here. do a secret ballot vote. They can, yeah. absolutely. And so... So that's out there, um, you know, just a lot of them doing that. There's some that are doing basically some drive-by prayers. Yeah, you I know, saw that. they 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 kind of drive up and and folks come out on the porch and they pray from the pickup or car or whatever, and you know, and doing things like that. One of the things that we are um, uh, constantly here doing is trying to you know get our folks to invite people and do that. So we're even trying to do some of that stuff now where like uh, the last three mornings I have gone through the drive through at um, McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now this is strictly evangelism, Brooks. Okay. Well, you're not eating. I didn't. Just... I did, well, I am <laughs> okay. because I, I want to be a partaker. Right. Okay. You want to boost the economy. I, I do. I want to shop local. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to the Muskogee McDonald's. I'm going to Fort Gibson. That's there where I live. Shop in town. But anyway, I, I go through there and we, we, you know, a long time ago, we put these little cards out that, you know, uh, basically you pay for the person behind you, hand that card to the cashier and say, hey, you know, give this to them. I'm paying for their meal. And all it basically says is, um, hey, this meal's on us. Mm-hmm. And so it's not even a personal thing from me that way. It's from, I'm, I'm personally paying for it, but sure. it, it it's connecting them to the church. So, hey, our church loves you. Our church cares for you. And uh, for three mornings now in a row, I've done that. And I would love to tell you that it was really all about evangelism. I was hungry. And mm-hmm. and so I went up there. And so I'm going to have to have a really good diet plan after this whole thing breaks. But through that, I've, in just a very small way, I've had the opportunity to uh, to bless somebody's morning. Okay, now I'm saying that to my horn. I'm just saying that to say, man, think about what that would be if all of us would say every day, I'm going to find a way to do something small, something that, that it could be big, but, but mm-hmm. something that would say, I'm just going to put a little bit of joy in somebody's life today. Sure. And if the church gets deployed as an army in that way, my gosh, what, what a difference we can make in a, in a small community or a large city as far as that goes. Yeah. Could you let me know what time did no. you go? <laughs> I'll, I'll be right behind you. And by the uh, way, it's cheaper to do it for breakfast. If is. you go at supper time, you're going to spend more money. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to budget well. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so you're always thankful for the one that just gets a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. you know, but sometimes they get the whole, you know, big breakfast. They thing. get the left so, side yeah, of the menu. You just go with, you know, so the Lord knows which one you need to pay for. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to give a shout out to First Baptist Church of Fort Gibson. Um, they are hosting school lunches. And local kids are coming by and getting yeah. free meals. That's super cool. That is cool. Um, I read that some churches are offering child care to medical workers during this time. Saw where some churches who have a sewing ministry, which is a ministry that you and I need to start and head up. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> a sewing, a ministry. sewing ministry. But they they're making masks and stuff. And they're making masks and giving okay. them away. Yeah. Wow. Um, saw where they're doing blood drives at churches. Um, there's some hospitals that are at capacity, and churches are offering Like they're them. sucking the blood out of they you. They are. They okay. are. Um, there was one church that gave away 5,100 boxes of non-perishable food, which Shut is up. unbelievable. 5,100 boxes? Yeah, 5,100 boxes. Did the people donate that, or is that just stuff they had the hidden pe- in a pantry no, somewhere? Well, I, I don't know if it's a combo. I think it was just the generosity of their folks. Oh, okay. Um, 
right. I I had written down their church's name and then I didn't put it in my notes. So I may I may put that in the in the show notes afterwards. Okay, okay. There was one guy that shared a, a toilet paper bouquet with his neighbors <laughs> rather than flowers. <laughs> toilet paper and bouquet. So, yeah, I thought that was That's really funny. That's good. And then um, we talked about earlier that um, some churches are burning DVDs of their services and giving them to uh, people who may not have Wi-Fi. Wow. So, yeah, lots of creative wow. stuff, lots yeah. of cool ideas that... Um, people are doing well and that's the thing that i you know back to your first question how can we look at this in a positive light to me this forces creativity from us it does and when we're not forced to to think that way it's really easy uh speaking from my own personal experience really easy to just stay in your lane business as usual yeah the thing we call the rut you know and i was told years years ago a rut's nothing but a grave with the ends kicked out of it it's a place you go to die and, and, and so, um, that's one of the, I think the gifts of this whole pandemic is it said, you know, it's, it's forced us to say, we have to think up outside the box mm-hmm. here. And I think that's really cool. So pastor, huge question. Yeah. How important do you think the church is during this time? Oh, wow. I, I, I don't think you can overstate this. I just don't. I, I mean, um, well, let me give you a for instance, okay? Um, th- there's all kinds of groups of people that have my heart, for lack of better terms, my attention, my um, sympathy uh, during you know th- this time. One group because it hits hard, it hits close to home uh, for me is um, high school seniors. Yeah, um, and and that partly happens because of my son Clay Roper. Uh, he's a high school senior. We've we've uh, we've graduated two out of the home, and he's our third mm-hmm. uh, to get to do that. Matter of fact, he's calling right now. Look at there. Um, we're oh, not answering Jimmy. that. Yeah, but he, um, you know, when we got word the other day that they were definitely canceling the end of the the school year, um, I knew I needed to go in his room and talk, and 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 I didn't want to. I knew it was it's going to be a tough conversation, and which I knew he already had a pretty good idea about it, but. Um, as we did, we just, you know, sit in there and we talked about how, you know, he's not going to get to experience so much of the things that, that he felt like he had deserved for lack of better terms. You know, he'd worked hard for, you know, even things small as senior, senior skip week, yeah. you know, um, senior dress up uh, day, prom. absolutely yeah. the, the whole deal. I mean, stuff that is once in a lifetime deal mm-hmm. and, you know, now they're just don't get to have it. Um, you know, uh, even things as small, and I know it's not small to them, but eternity wise, it's really small is basketball. Um, you know, stuff like that. You know, we had, you know, our girls at Fort Gibson, they, they had, uh, you know, made it the state tournament. I think we're even in the city up there ready to play. They were already up there. Yeah. Whenever they got news that it had been postponed. And I even read the day that they officially canceled it today. And I just think of all of that, those groups of people and, and they're, what they're experiencing. And so whenever I talk to my son and even my daughter, you know, Cassie, she was, you know, talking about, you know, it's her first year of college, you know, and here, you know, it's been kind of stripped away. And, and, and I, I told them both, I said, guys, I said, your, your pain is real. Your the, the struggle of this. I'm not trying to minimize that. So I'm not, this isn't just a, uh, hey, suck it up and get over it. You know, rub some dirt on it. Kind of speech from dad because I give those once in a sure, while. Sure, sure. You know, but but to say in the midst of that, let your faith kick in somewhere here and realize that your peers are all experiencing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And if that be so, then 
you being one who has Christ in them mm-hmm. get to in real life show the difference that he makes. And by the way, and I know this may, may be kind of harsh and in your face, if if he doesn't make a difference, then you need a different God. 100%. I mean, he, he's a puny little God. Yeah. If if we go through the same trial and we go through it in the exact same way um, and my faith doesn't affect it, what good was my faith? Yeah. Why but would I, they want to sign up exactly, for it? Exactly. And I'm deeply convicted that, man, our faith and our relationship with Christ uh, affects and infects Every aspect of our being, obviously including our trials. So I really tried to encourage them in that, that we get to uh, take advantage of that. And I said, you can either waste this and whine like everybody else, um, oh, woe is me, or you can capitalize on it. And I said, if that be true, think about the the, the, the opportunities, the, the, the impact that you could have. So I'd say that that's a small picture of it, but that really is my message to the church, uh, in, in large that that's why you're important. The, the, it's really rare that the entire globe is affected by any one thing at one time. So true. But right now, everybody at some level, some more than others are affected by this. And if the church doesn't shine in this man, what in the we world missed. is wrong with us? Yeah, it's a swing we, and a miss. Absolutely. We, we, need to, we need to quit and go do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we can, and I think we, in, in a lot of respects, we are and we will uh, shine uh, through this. Really do. And I think that the church may be more important than it's been in my entire lifetime. No doubt. With the exception of maybe 9-11. Yeah. Um, I was lost at 9-11 and um, probably too young to remember. So I don't remember what happened during that time. You were just a boy at that time as well. <laughs> just a um, child. <laughs> but since I can remember, this, this could be the shining hour for the church to step up, to be the church, yeah. and to be a light during this dark time. Because it really is a dark time. Yeah, no doubt. No no doubt. And one, one, I think, maybe difference even, and I would pull from the, because 9-11's been the thing, the benchmark that a lot of people have used. One, one difference between this and 9-11 is that 9-11 really was an American issue, though it had some ripple effects throughout the world. It was an American issue. And for even for a lot of Americans, it still didn't. If you didn't fly there, you you, you just kind of went on. Change you know, ton. it didn't change a, a ton for you. Uh, now, if you traveled a lot, then obviously it did. But this is one that's this is global. This is this is, you know, uh, I don't know if we're in every nation or not, but I, we're in the vast majority of all nations. Um, and so there's, I don't know of anybody, unless you're just, you know, we minister some folks out in the bush of Africa that Mm -hmm. they're probably just clicking right along without any problems. But uh, I just think it's an opportunity that if we waste it, man, eggs on our face. Totally. So moving forward, yeah, yeah. if you were to have the eyes of a prophet, uh, what do you think the church is going to look like in the future post COVID-19? So what are some things that the church will be better at? And what are some, maybe some unique challenges do you see us running into? Wow, what a question. You're really about to get me in trouble with that. Um, uh, The eyes of the prophet. So I I think there's a few things that we we could, you know, kind of ponder here and and consider. And I think part of it has already been happening uh, up before this, this came about, the pandemic. But I think that the pandemic will maybe even exacerbate some of this. And I think some of the churches that will 
will struggle in ways that we didn't see coming is some of our mega churches, some of the, the really, and I know a lot of people have kind of flipped that and said, no, it's all of our little small country churches. I, I think that maybe in the short term, they may struggle more. I think maybe in the long term that our mega churches may have some struggles that the, the smaller churches don't. I said that that was already happening and, and partly it's happening because there's a, there's a little bit of a crisis in our country of, of, trying to find replacement for some of these pastors the leadership vacuum. that yeah there really is that they have retired or some of them have fallen morally mm-hmm. and and are no longer there they're trying having a hard time finding guys qualified yeah uh to to lead them and and so i just i really see moving forward and it, that some of this is happening that you're going to see more and more churches kind of abandon that model to where we're not trying to always build something bigger, buy more land, and you're going to see more of that church planting model where it's okay. We, we're kind of maxed out here. We need to send some of you. Let's you know, let, let let's send you to Cincinnati. Okay, right. let's 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 launch you out to go do that. That may happen one day. I, it could. <laughs> I've heard of people going to Cincinnati. I don't know why they would, but. Um, but, but I think we're going to see some of that come out of this, that, that they're going to realize that, um, it, it's not always about, uh, that really big, massive group. We don't necessarily have to have, you know, the, the, the hundreds or the thousands to be effective, mm-hmm. um, that we all like, and I, I'm, Everybody I, loves I, it, I yeah. want that. I really do. But I think that that's, that's a potential of what we'll see come out of this is more churches, uh, focusing their efforts on church planting rather than continuing to build these multi-million dollar facilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, everything I'm reading, um, the the mega church is not going away. Yes. Yeah. You know they're not sure. closing their doors, but the future of the church, from everything I'm reading, is smaller. Yeah, yeah. More campuses, more sites, more church plants, yeah. which I think is a good thing. I, I do. I do as well, and I think part of that is a maybe even a generational thing. I think that. Um, you know, the, 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 the builders and the boomers and that, that group had really bought into the big machine kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the mega church movement church came movement. from. Absolutely. And when you get into my generation and those below me, I, I think that they are seeing more of a emphasis on the intimacy and, you know, that smaller, you know, kind of touchy feely type, you know, scenario. I don't know if touchy feely was the right word, but you got where I was going with that. Yeah. And so um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I sense that that's what's, what's going to be happening. And you also, I think you mentioned about what are we going to be good at? What would we be better at? I, I think in, in some ways being innovative because the, the, for the, for some, and again, please don't think I'm being, you know, disparaging anybody or casting stones here, but for some it's, it's honestly the first time through this, They've even considered being innovative, period, about anything, period. And you, you, um, you may even mean innovative, innovative as far as putting your services online or online giving. I'm telling you, this is this is one of the most radical, for some churches, this will be one of the most radical things that their church has done in its history is to put their service online or to do online giving, okay? And, and I, you got to find some humor in this because it's kind of been, especially social media, that thing that's been the devil we've all loved to kick. Well, I don't get on that social media because that's, you know, that's where the devil's at. Now we have to use it. Now we got to use it. Well, preachers, I remember I had a pastor whenever I was young that he came in and preached against TVs. 
And so a lot of our folks got rid of our TVs. You know, um, that's how you let the devil in the house is in that box. It was hell's box. And the internet became that for a lot of churches, a lot of preachers. And then now they're using the very tool that they, you know, cascade. And so I've always just had the opinion that it's, it's, it's as good as the person using it, mm-hmm. honestly. It's a tool. It, 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 it is. And so it's just like a shovel. A shovel can be a great tool to go dig with, but you can also kill somebody with it. True. Right? So Very it's true. it's as good as the person that's holding uh, the tool. And I see you know social media in that same way. Very true. Uh, I think some positives. Um, more people are seeing uh, church's content. So uh, just for an example, um, you know, on a normal Wednesday night, we may have 60 people in the room listening to my midweek sermon. No doubt. Um, at the time of this recording, there was almost 600 views from last night's message. Wow. So wow. Um, as far as I know, we've not had a service where we had 600 students. Yeah. In our, uh, so I think that's a positive. So is that how you talk about your ministry now? Is that, yeah. We're a ministry we're, of 600 we've students. We've got 600. That's, you know I'm going to I've that. heard that done before. <laughs> so um, I think another positive is even after we're able to gather um, physically together, we can still keep up the content. Yeah. We can keep videoing. Now, like we have... Um, more technology now no uh, as a result of this we can keep producing sure uh, content I think that's a positive not to interrupt you but you know one of the things I, I, I thought about with that the other day is the the the, the gift of this in in and I'm gonna get into this a little bit more but the, the amount of people that will listen to or watch you on this that would never have come hundred percent to the church mm-hmm. uh, is is just really phenomenal but anyway go ahead um, so, and I said earlier that people are going to fall off the fence of faith. And so I think some of them will fall off the right side and they'll be more engaged than ever before. Um, they'll give more small group attendance serving, uh, more people may even get saved than ever before because of the content going out, the gospel getting out. Um, I think churches are going to get better at producing online content out of necessity. And I think we'll even learn how to be better at staying connected. I know that that has been a wake up call for me throughout this is man I got to do this even when we get back I got to be better at connecting with my leaders and my students um, some challenges looking forward um, we're gonna lose some people uh, some people will fall off the wrong side of the fence um, some people will get too used to watching at home mm-hmm. um, some people may get sick some people may pass away from the coronavirus and so those are some cons where um, definitely. That's the reality. Every, every situation will have pros and cons. And sure. So, sure. Um, and I think another major con of this whole thing is, and our pastors talked about it this morning is just the financial um, hit that is coming. And I think that honest to goodness, and I know a lot of people have criticized our president over this. And I'm not trying to get into the political weeds here, but you know, his, his efforts that he's trying to make on the economy right now, well, he should be more, you know, focused upon the coronavirus. Well, the problem is, is if he's not dealing with the economy uh, at the same time, you know, walking and chewing gum, uh, then whenever we defeat the, the virus and there's no economy, then then tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people will die as a result of that. 100%. Um, and so you have to do both. Well, now churches are realizing that, that same thing. And, um, you know, some churches are already feeling a major, major pinch because of the finances of this thing that, you know, especially those that don't have online giving or, or some kind of electronic uh, means to receive offerings or tithes, 
it's it's a struggle for them. And so that's that's going to be one of the, I think, major downfalls here of this this whole deal. So shifting gears a little bit. Yeah. So our church vision is love, serve, and invite. You've said it a couple times already. And uh, for those of you listening, that's just a part of our language. That That is uh, who we are now. We're uh, people that love, serve, and invite. So throughout the future of our podcast, you're going to hear that a ton. Um, but our focus this year is the year of the invite um, to intentionally grow in our evangelism efforts uh, this year. So um, do we get a free pass on that now? Uh, negative. Okay. We do not get a free <laughs> so pass on that. How do we invite people to church during the quarantine? Yeah, good good question. So before I answer that, let me come and a- answer a question you didn't ask me, okay? Um, so when we talk about the vision of love, serve, and invite, we have three words. We worked, <laughs> you'd be amazed at how many hours we put in to shrink our vision to three words. And and I've often laughed and said we did that so that I could remember it because I'd have probably forgot a fourth word, and, and I wish that were completely untrue. But um, I also want to always be clear, and I don't think we do this enough, those three words are not the mission of the church. We draw a distinction between the mission and the vision. The mission needs no improvement whatsoever. The mission is Acts 1-8. The mission is Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. That's the mission of the church, the marching orders of the church. When we talk about vision, what we're talking about is uniquely to our church and our setting at this time. Mm -hmm. This is how we will flesh that out. This is how we live out and fulfill the mission of the church. This is how we do Acts 20, how we do Matthew 28, is by being a church who is filled with people who love God and love others, who serve the church and serve the community, and who invite people to church and invite them on the journey of knowing Christ Jesus. So now, now you got all that. That's my preacher spiel, all right? Mm -hmm. How do you go about doing the invite thing now? How do you invite them to something that's not happening? Great question. Again, I think it's forced us. We've said this all throughout the podcast today. It's forced innovation. So I I just really believe that if we'll be um, intentional about this, our efforts in inviting people to sit under and hear the preaching of the gospel could, and I really think should, um, catapult itself forward. Here's why. Inviting somebody to come and join you at 25641 South Crescent Valley Road, Tahlequah, Oklahoma, 74464, is a whole different thing than sending somebody a link on Facebook uh, or on Twitter or Instagram and saying, hey, here's our church. Man, check this thing out. And by the way, you don't even have to do it at 1030. You can mm-hmm. literally do this Anytime. at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yep. It'll be on here. So I think your ability to invite your friends, your neighbors, your family members, classmates, coworkers, all the above, to to hear Okay, and we put great value on them hearing. We do. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Right? Um, then I, I just I think that our, for lack of our term, our touches of people with the gospel, if it doesn't increase, Brooks, through this, man, something is is has went. We got to fix something. Something's messed yeah. up bad. Um, you know, we're doing a, a thing this year with the whole year of the invite. We've got these 
um, little boards up, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't our idea. We've sold this from somebody else uh, where every invitation that I have to, to some, invite somebody to church that week, I put this little white ping pong ball in there. And every time I share the gospel uh, in, uh, in its totality and invite somebody to put their faith in Christ, we put a, a, a yellow one in or an orange one. And then when they get baptized, they put in a red one. We do all that to, to number one, we've set some goals, some numerical goals that we want to hit. Uh, but we do that to say we celebrate somebody just simply going out of their way while they're at Walmart, while they're at school, while they're at work saying, hey, do you go to church anywhere? Uh, well, no, I don't. Well, man, won't you come and go to be my guest this Sunday? Come to church with me and do that. We celebrate that here. Now, your capacity to do that online through social media or just with your phone in a non-threatening, and I said this a while ago, a non-threatening way there's, I just, I, in my heart, I really believe that there's a, 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 a whole mass of people that will check that out that never probably would come to the building, never would attend here, but they may check that out and they may not even hear all of it. They may hear just a, a minute or two of it. I just believe the word of God's so powerful. If they just listen to a minute or two of it, I think God will use it and we'll see dividends in heaven as a result of your invite to them. I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. I think that, that you're spot on, and I think um, we have to be utilizing social media big time. Uh, every channel you have, uh, and even if you wanted to create another platform, um, then we need to do that too. So if you're not no on Instagram, man, get an Instagram account and make that work. Um, also with our stuff, you could anybody's stuff, you can like, comment, and share it, and that does wonders well, I think it's, I, I look at it and I'm, I'm a, you know, this about me, anybody knows me, I'm a metaphor guy. Mm-hmm. Everything's an analogy of some kind. And, and, and so I, I just thinking of it in the, 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 the metaphor of fishing, it's, it's, it's putting every hook that you have in the water. If you put enough of them out there, something is bound to bite, right? 100%. Uh, and, and so I, I kind of look at this in that way. There's another one of the reasons why this week, you know, up until now, which we have been for years, we have been broadcasting live on YouTube every Sunday. Well, as a result of all that's going on, I want to expand that reach and drop another hook in the water. So coming this Sunday, we're going to be broadcasting in on live on Facebook at the same time we're broadcasting live on YouTube. Why are we doing that? Why would we spend the money to do that? Just as I said, it's just dropping another hook uh, out there to say, we really want to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. Our time here is limited. We're boasting not of tomorrow. And and I want if I go down, I want to go down taking as many with me uh, on my way up to glory. Man, what a good word. So we talked about inviting people to church. How do you share the gospel if you're not really supposed to be around somebody physically? Well, yeah, that's another uh, thing here again. We, we've got to be you know innovative uh, with. Um, you know, I think that the, the key thing to all of that is just being faithful enough, if that's the word you want to use, or bold enough to have some conversation starters. When you go out of your way to inquire about people's faith, invite them to church and, and the like, especially if you'll do that in a private context. So if you're on social media, use messenger to do it. Okay. Rather than making don't write on their wall, but yeah, don't, don't write it on the wall. Are hey, you going to hell? Do you think, what do you think hell's going to be like? You know, don't do that. Uh, but do it privately, go into messenger, go on your phone and text them. Um, and, and here's what's, here's what I've discovered when, and, and you know, this even better than I, cause students do this a lot with you um, is 
sometimes people are a lot more willing to open up about their faith or lack thereof through their phone than they would be face to face. So again, what I'm trying to say to the church, all of us collectively, please stop looking at this as, oh, look at the hindrances and start looking and seeing, man, look at the opportunities, the privileges, the sheer gift that God has given us to start opening the door, if we'll be faithful, okay? If, if all you want to do is sit at home and watch Netflix, and that's a whole different machine. But if you want to redeem this time, okay, you can redeem this time. And it may very well be what God uses to unleash a movement that has, has never happened in our lifetime uh, in regards to the church and then also uh, awakening the masses of, of lostness in our nation and around the world. Absolutely. I, I totally agree that we need to use every tool that we have. And uh, I, I would even say come back around on some of the relationships you've been building. So no doubt. we've been doing the Hoosier One thing, yeah. and we have multiple ones. Um, but this is a great time, and something that we've been doing is kind of coming back around. Hey, remember, we've had face-to-faces about this, but what do you think about that? You know, What do you think about what we've talked about? Yeah, good um, thought. And then use social media and text. And like you said, I, ca- I can't tell you the number of kids who have opened up through um, Instagram message or or sending me a text message, and I always have my social media handles up whenever I'm preaching, and people will will send me stuff. Hey, what do you it. think about this? And yeah. um, just I think two or three weeks ago, somebody texted me and said, "Hey, I got saved in one of our services a couple weeks ago. Forgot wow. to tell you about it, um, but yeah, um, I, it was her first awesome. time. It was her first time to church. Yeah, and That's she's awesome. like, uh, I got your phone number off the screen and wanted to tell you. So that is so stinking cool." So how do you think, or do you think this crisis, this coronavirus, COVID-19 will affect what evangelism looks like moving forward long-term? Um, I, I don't know about that. I'm not sure what my thoughts are with that. I mean, I, I think so much that just it remains to be uh, seen. I think it, it, if I can just stick with the theme I've been on with all day, if anything, I think it will continue to challenge us to get out of our box in the ways in which we share the gospel. Um, which I think we should do anyway. I mean, I, I, you know, the gospel never changes. However, the methods in which we share the gospel, they do. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is our approach to um, what people are, you know, where they are in life. So I've, I've often talked about sharing the gospel like a tool bag. You know, I had a guy come and fix my dryer here a while back. And, you know, we went through a season there where nearly every appliance, every major appliance in our house broke uh, within and this really happened within about a two week span from dryer to washer to stove to refrigerator. And these guys that would show up to work on that stuff, some of it we had to replace, but I remember the dryer guy, he came in with a, a, this big bag that had all, I mean, just full of tools, but I watched the guy as he worked on it. He only used like one or two tools out of that whole bag. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not completely dumb. And so I understood what the, the principle here was he wanted to be prepared for everything that could come about. And he would have been had it popped up. I see evangelism a lot in the same way that my approach to people is going to be different based upon the person where they are, where they're going through. So if I come to somebody who is this, this really haughty, I'm better than you. I'm as good as any Christian I know. Um, it kind of, then the way of the master, man, Mm -hmm. what a great approach to the 10 commandments. You know, what Ray Comfort taught us with some of that stuff was just brilliant, uh, you know, methodology in sharing the gospel. 
However, if I come across some guy that's broken and feeling like, man, God can't use me. You're I don't, an adulterer yeah, and a liar. I don't want to come and beat that guy up yeah. with Ray Comfort's approach to that. So you, 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 you train as much as you can and all that stuff. You know, my, the first guy that influenced me greatly in evangelism was Bill Fay and you know, the, his share Jesus without fear stuff. So I've been through so much of that stuff. EE four spiritual laws, all that. It's all about putting more tools in the bag. So what I think will come out of this more tools. I think we'll be more innovative. Uh, people come up with more things. I wish someday I would be smart enough to do it. And so I could, you know, be the guy that capitalized we could do the country on, preacher evangelism. There you go. And I could sell it from Lifeway for $99 in a, in a can. I know some guys that would buy that, but um, I think that will be the deal. I think it'll just bring about some more creativity, innovation, and, you know, methodology of sharing. And I think um, from a from a church-wide evangelism standpoint, I think it all hinges on our leadership. No doubt. On whether it'll be good change or bad change. Yeah. Um, I love this quote from Craig Rochelle. He said, instead of saying, my people won't, blank, what fill in the blank, you should say, I haven't led my people to... Ow. Yeah. And so... Why did Rick, he have to say that? I know, but he's really making us take ownership of our leadership and say, yeah. hey, if we want our people to... Um, get better at evangelism or something as simple Jeez. as sharing the link. We have to lead our people. What to a do jerk. That. How dare he put that pressure back he, on us? That must've been a thought from his quarantine. <laughs> it yeah. had to be. He was weak when he said that probably yeah. fevered, but I think yeah, we can lead our so people right. um, to have it make a positive impact on yeah. our evangelism. Yeah. Good word. And so before we head out of here, um, yep. I wanted to share just a little bit of research on, uh, what the church has historically done during sickness, because sure. um, the Church of Christ, not not the denomination, but yeah, the Church yeah, of yeah. Jesus Christ, has always been a people that have not backed down when times got tough, so true. when sickness came. And so um, I think this really applies to where we're at today. So uh, Martin Luther, he uh, ministered during the second wave of the Black Death, and here's what he said about the church. He said that those in ministry must remain steadfast before the peril of death. The sick and dying need a good shepherd who will strengthen them, comfort them, and administer the sacraments. So what he's saying is we shouldn't retreat, we should advance. But to give balance for people who would criticize that, he Mm -hmm. said, uh, take medicine, fumigate the house and yard, and don't go places where your presence isn't needed. Wow. And so I think he gave a really balanced approach to it. Um, also, Very needed in our situation. Oh, totally, today. Yes, totally. Um, one of the reasons I believe the church exploded in the second and third uh, centuries is that while the plagues were going on, Christians stayed to care for people. Everyone else pulled out. Wow. And so you see, even doctors saying, "Man, I, I got to go." Um, Christians stayed, even um, taking like not taking precautionary measures, which I think they maybe should have. But even Christians got sick and died. But they stayed and they took care of people, and Christianity exploded. Man, how, how crazy is that? You know, the thing that just blesses me in hearing you say that is, you look back and you see the marks of Jesus on his followers that are so similar uh, for the last two thousand years uh, since Jesus walked here on this earth. They are a sympathetic people. They're a sacrificial 100%. people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a serving people. I don't know if I need another S word there or not, but you get the point. They, they, yeah, they, they, they all do these same types of things. Mm-hmm. They care. 
uh, about people, and we we have the marks of our Father on us, man. One hundred percent. And then, uh, so this is, and this lady's not a Christian. Her name is Candida Moss, that I know of. She's a professor of early Christianity at Notre Dame, and she's echoing what you said. She said an epidemic that seemed like it would end the world actually spread Christianity and showed their pagan neighbors that Christianity was worth dying for. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, you know, I think that we can learn some other things here from this epidemic, or excuse me, this pandemic, um, in that it was convicting to me thinking about how fast this all happened um, because it, it, it spread. There were so many carriers, and we got a picture of how this thing becomes global literally overnight. It's crazy. And we've had the gospel for 2,000-plus years, mm-hmm. and there are still people groups around the world that have not even been engaged with the gospel, much, rest, much, much less reached with the gospel, right? And so I think that, that the onus is back on us. It's, it's, it's the... the I pray that this is an awakening for the church itself to realize how how we could accomplish the Great Commission if we become carriers. And for so long, what's happened is it's been left up to the quote-unquote professionals, right? We pay so guys good. to do that. We pay clergy to do that. If we can learn to get away from that and see that all of us are called to be carriers, mm-hmm. listen, this thing can get global now. You. Right now it can, uh, but we've got to see that. Preachers got to stand up and proclaim that um, as well. Boldly, yeah. yeah. And here's the point. I didn't uh, share that research just to prove that I know how to do research. But <laughs> the point is that when crisis hits, it's historically been the church that has stepped in to help and to cry out to God for help, and God has answered with revival. Yeah. I think about the prayer revival, 1857, um, and I just think we may be on the precipice of something huge if— we do what you just talked about and sure. say, hey, um, we have a responsibility to take the gospel to the nations. Absolutely. And we have now, an, er, we've always had, but now we have an urgency we've got to share. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, so sir. a couple of resources for you listeners, um, coronavirusandthechurch.com. It has kind of been a, a place that's been curated. It's a great website, has tons and tons of resources on there. Um, also Ed Stetzer has put out some good content on Facebook and I think he's done some podcasts as well. And all that is also on coronavirus and the And then, uh, Rick Warren has put out some sermons and some content, um, as well. So I want those resources to be there for you. Coronavirus and the and should be kind of a one-stop shop, uh, for you. Pastor, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, any, anything else you'd like to say before we log off? Uh, man, what a great job you did today hosting. This was this was fun. We've talked about doing it for a long time. It's been a burden of mine to do for a long time, and uh, you're really the guy that kind of put you know wheels on the machine here. So very grateful to you for hosting this. And gosh, I'm now that we've done one, I even look more forward to what we're doing because this. Yeah, I, and I've said this for a long time. Okay, and, and I'm not going to try to get you know too heavy with this, but. In teaching preachers, I've always taught that you need something that um, energizes you in your life as well as something that helps you to find that place of neutral, you know, mentally, 
Well, uh, for me, that's a, a, you know my hobby of golf. I, if I go play golf, all I'm worried about, you know, some guys worry about hitting the ball. I'm worried about finding the ball. Okay, and but 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 you also need not not just something that puts the brain in neutral, but something that energizes you. Okay, golf doesn't necessarily energize me, but it does let me just kind of chill and relax. Stuff like this energizes me because I get talking about what's in my heart and and how God has has burdened me. And I just, man, I'm looking forward to, you know, how God will use this and trust that he'll, you know, use it in a big way. So and the, thanks for letting me be a part of absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, the, I think the funny thing is um, really for me, the genesis of all this was the drives that we would take, whether they be short or long. And the entire drive, uh, this is basically our relationship is, <laughs> hey, pastor, what do you think about this? Yeah. And then you give a gold nugget, you give an answer. And then we we start to talk. And I remember one uh, truck drive all the way up to St. Louis and back. And I think the whole thing was just me asking questions yeah. about ministry, preaching, yeah. leadership. And sometimes and it's fool's them. gold that I give you, but Maybe I, so. I, I do my best. Well, I bite, <laughs> I bite for it. So, but Hey, thanks being, thanks for being on the podcast with yes, me sir. and thanks for your time. Uh, know that you are a busy guy. And so I appreciate you, uh, taking out the time. Want to give a shout out to all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the country preacher with Chad Pendergraft. Uh, join us next week as we, discuss life, leadership, the church, and mission.